Sat Nam. I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Satnam. Satnarayan Wahe Guru Harinarayan Satnam Satnarayan Wahe Guru Harinarayan Satnam Satnarayan Wahe Narayan, that ocean of solution. And because in solution we feel love, we feel joy, we feel bliss, we feel peace, we feel solved. So when someone we experience has solved us, in other words, they've removed all their questions about us, we experience the sensation of what we call emotionally, we call love. And then when we stop feeling that they have solved us because we've introduced some new characters. See, my wife and I never dated. We just got married. And so all of the characters came out while we were married. Which was really great because there was, you know, marriage is a commitment in which you've nailed all the windows and doors shut. <laughs> so there is no escape. So when these characters start showing up, you're forced into that cornered zone, right? And the cornered zone is when you're at your, at your strongest capacity. And so that's the beauty of the real true tradition of commitment, it's not a commitment to, it's going into the state of commitment in which there is no escape, there is no exit. And so you either work it out or you work it out. <laughs> it reminds me of my daughter's t-shirt. There's two rules in life. Rule number one, I'm always right. Rule number two, when that doesn't work, refer back to rule number one. <laughs> So, the ancient mystics and masters, yogis and swamis, called this Narayan, this Nara, this Na, the without light, this, this na, Nara, without light that is light, right? Light that is without and is, hmm? so that it has no dualities. Hmm? And so they used to chant this Satnarayan Wahe Guru 
and it would induce this state because your vocabulary, your vocal anatomy, induces this sensation right there in your throat which sits between your heart which is experiencing it and your brain which is questioning it. And so when you tie those two together you resolve the quest of your brain with the observation of your heart. And that's why the throat is so powerful. And that's why whenever anyone wanted to, you know, before the use of, um, of bullets and arrows and things like that, whenever anybody wanted to silence someone, you know, to kill them, right, they always went for the throat. Even, even animals go for the throat. And in society, the throat is subjugated very, in a very sophisticated way. And the throat holds our, not only our, uh, wow, that was a long way around, <laughs> thyroid and parathyroid glands, yeah? You know, sometimes the, the words are just in their letters. They're not actually in their word form. They're just going, well, this guy's nuts, so we'll just, we'll just stick to being letters, and he can form us how he wants to. Right? <laughs> so, but occasionally you want to reach for an actual word. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, the thyroid and parathyroid gland, and the thyroid gland allows you meta to metabolize life, Whatever you take in gets metabolized by the thyroid, not just your food, but the food that you see and hear and, and everything else. And the parathyroid is what allows you to metabolize that which structures life, the, the, the firm, the skeletal components, the calcium and the magnesium. And so by really chanting out there, you can actually, in that state of what you experience, you ultimately experience a state of bliss, you can literally structure within the bliss, which is quite um, counterintuitive to the way you feel, because before you reach that structure, you reach total chaos in bliss. And that's why people avoid bliss, and what they, <coughs> what they create instead of bliss is pleasure. But pleasure has its polarity, which is suffering. And so the world has always been in this dichotomous condition of pleasure and suffering. You know, seeking pleasure, avoiding suffering. Seeking pleasure, avoiding suffering. But the challenge is, for every action, there's an equal reaction. So the moment you're in pleasure, you're also in suffering. And you try to ignore your suffering by creating more and more and more pleasure. But what's the key is that you continue on that path of bliss, of love, of universal love. That Narayana, being in that ocean of solution. And then what is happening is all of a sudden the solutions become structured. They become not only without form, but they become logical. And that's when you can take that bliss, that joy, that peace, that love, and you can create an actual societal structure out of it. 
And that is our task. Because what's going on right now is the trade-off in society between, between pleasure and suffering. And what happens is that if you don't have pleasure and suffering actively within you, you will accumulate all the pleasure and you will distribute all the suffering. And in a distribution of suffering, there's revolution. There's a violent reaction. It's just like when you're in deep depression, the internal violent reaction is anger. Because anger is the only thing that can get you out of deep depression. It's what is called, actually called cold depression. So the polarity to cold is the fire of anger. So what we are here to do is to really work ourselves, and I don't just mean here today, I mean here on earth, is to really work ourselves into a, fren into a frenzy. In a total frenzy of chaos and formlessness. In order to break through that, just that <laughs> emphasis added. Thank you. Um, it's good when everything, even your pick, is in the act. So that you break through that thin veil into <clears throat> that sacred geometry, that structure, which we see in all of those patterns, in all of those mandalas, in all of those paintings, in all of those ways. We see that even on what a great lead-in, even on my new book, <laughs> which you can buy in the lobby. There is that sacred pattern. Wow. That was so clever. I never even thought of that. So put your hands over your heart. Left hand over the right. Begin to feel that, conjure that emotional sensation of universal love. Now when you get into that state of blissful ecstasy, you're a little bit like that 1950s rock song called Love Potion Number Nine. <laughs> and in that rock song there was a there was a line. It says, And when I kissed the lamp post on 34th and Vine, I left it. I broke my little bottle of Love Potion Number Nine. <laughs> so what you have to make certain of is, is that you can differentiate between the boundaries and the borders. That you can have love for everything and everyone and not have to express it in ways that aren't for everyone and everything. Like kissing a lamppost. I mean, go ahead and do it. I mean, it's no harm, no foul, but just, you know, be, be conscious about it. 
I mean, a lasting embrace is probably not a good idea. <laughs> but the fact is that when we get to this place, which we will get to, children in the 60s got there through a drug-induced coma. But we're going to get there through a mantra-induced opportunity. Through a yogic-induced, through a, an ecstatic-induced opportunity of being with your children, being with your animals, being with your friends, being with your people, being in a state of trust, being in a state of commitment. We're going to get there through all of these technologies. And in the process of getting there, we have to recall the discipline. Because this is what blew the 60s apart, was that there wasn't that discipline of boundaries and borders. But that was just an opportunity to learn from our mistakes. And so here we go into a new re-evolution, which gets compressed into revolution. Here we go into a new revolution, a new revolve around the issue. And the issue is that humanity is stuck in a two-dimensional view of a multi-dimensional event. And the two-dimensional view is right, wrong, good, bad, yes, no. There are some two-dimensional applications. It is right to go through a green light. It is wrong to run a red light. Three-dimensionally, we don't own space. And most of what is being disputed in today's world is the proprietary nature of trying to own space. Something invading another, or even holding something back from moving to another. And I love the way birds migrate. You know, American birds live in Mexico all the time. <laughs> and I guess the reason they're not required to carry passports is because they don't have pockets, but other than that, really? You know, I was born in, in this country and my wife was born in Canada and we've looked all over each other's body. There's no label. There's no label. And so there is in reality no limit, which we will, you know, it may take us 100 years or so or 150 years, whatever it's going to take, but we will create that world in which there are humans that are adoring each other. And they're in the process also quite vegan and adoring all life. And in the process of that, they are allowing all life to prosper. And they prosper in that life. The only thing that is holding that back is us. We are the only thing holding that back. We are the cork in the bottle the bottle with a genie. 
you know, rub the bottle and make your wish. But in order for the wish to happen, you have to pull out the cork. We are that cork. We are the advanced ones. The idea of everyone is equal is true, but everyone is not at the same state of evolution. Everyone is equal, but not at the same state of evolution. And it's time after all these billions of years in this section of the universe that we step up to that role. Because we've been around for so long. And how do we hold us back from that role? How do we maintain the cork in the bottle? By creating issues in our own lives. Issues in our own lives that we need to solve. So, flush your issues and get on to your purpose. And that's what Yogi Bhajan demonstrated. I remember when he was like, you know, maybe less than a year from his passing, and I asked the stupidest question, like, you know, the moment I came out of my mouth, I thought, wow. Ever had one of those moments? <laughs> I asked him, how are you doing? And he said, Guru Singh, we've known each other for 34 years, and you know I'm doing great. But by the way, right now my body sucks. But I'm doing great. So you have to flush your issues so that you can have a relationship with your purpose. And a byproduct a byproduct of that is something quite practical to us all. And that is the immune system. Mm. The immune system is a measure of value. And it's not a measure of value as held by your intellect or your intelligence. It's a measure of value as held by your commitment. It's held by your trust. And when you open up that commitment that's always with you, that trust that's consistently everywhere, when you open that up, then your immune system begins to experience valuation. Because you protect something that you value. And your immune system, your autoimmune system, is your protection. So when you have this extreme sense of value, which is contained within your commitment and your trust, because when you're really valuable, when you really feel that sense of of bigness, not bigger than-ness, but bigness, then you embrace others into that bigness. You actually embrace virus and bacteria into that bigness, and they just join you instead of having you join them. And when virus and bacteria join you, you actually use 
What is a value within them? There's a life force in them, a very strong life force, because they're mutating constantly in order to keep surviving. You use the life forces within them and you dispose of the waste. The human body, depending upon your size, has somewhere between 30 and 70 trillion cells. But the human body has over 100 trillion microbes. And virus and bacteria are microbes. And so we're constantly using microbes. As a matter of fact, deep science is curious as to whether or not we're here for them or they're here for us. But the mystics and masters always knew that we were here for each other, which is the nature of nature. And so we have this capacity to be really embracing of everything that's around us, knowing that we have that value, that immunity to protect us. And when we are then in that value of immunity, we don't shoot somebody at distance. We don't bomb somebody through a drone mechanism. We get right down there in with them and we go, let's work this out. That's the nature of true leadership. And that's the nature that the world at present, that is filled with unevolved beings, is petrified in thinking about. And so what we have to do is we have to demonstrate it on a small level, and then a slightly larger level, then a slightly larger level, then a slightly larger level, until we, literally, in 30 to 60 years, Shift this place. You know, there's a recent series of articles about the giraffe. What does the giraffe represent? What does the giraffe represent? Seeing beyond. The inversion of the pyramid. Value at the top which is then brought to the bottom. This is what you learned when you were a giraffe. So if we eliminate giraffes and other creatures on this planet, we've eliminated a step in the evolution of consciousness. Because everything that exists on this planet is a step in our conscious evolution. We incarnate millions of times, 8.4 million times the last tens of thousands. I know it's 84,000, but you know, numbers aren't exact. And it depends on what you're measuring from. But it takes millions of lives for the separated consciousness. Remember those of you that are in teacher training, we talked yesterday about the longing to belong that was initiated, the moment of separation, the moment that your Atma separated from Paramatma, the moment that the individual separated from the universal, your whole longing was to remerge into that universal. So as we get higher and higher, we become closer and closer to each other. As we become closer and closer to each other, we understand the true meaning of commitment. Commitment is everywhere, always. 
if you experience commitment, you're opening to that which is everywhere always. And that's why we use these monogamous relationships in order to identify the power of trust and commitment and love and joy and consistency and insistency and sometimes resistancy. <laughs> Just nicely, though. So we have to become those valuable. And in order to become those valuables, we have to value ourselves. We have to really, really stoke our ego. And unfortunately, like the word bitch and witch and some of the other words that have been completely destroyed by, you know, the cultures throughout language, right? Bitch is just a female mammal of childbearing age. And a witch is just a female mammal of the age beyond bearing children. And at the same time, this idea of your value equal to your ego, and then ego has been destroyed, don't be ego, you don't know. Why is ego made to be so rude and so inappropriate? Because throughout the history, there have been, there have been spiritual teachers who wanted to control their, their students. And a spiritual teacher, in order to, to become that masterful nature, has to have a huge ego. Ego is what ego does. Ego is the glue that holds soul and body. The more powerful the ego, the more you can do with your life. And if the more you can do with your life gets translated in the, that means more for me, then ego gets its bad reputation. Oh, it's just your ego talking. Well, it's just your ego telling me that it's just my ego. <laughs> ego is that neutral being that sits next to your center of projection. Whether your center is here or your center is here or your center is here. That neutral being that sits there and it is then charged with whatever center you charge it from. And so the task of us masters, not taskmasters, but the task of us masters, is that we must feed and fuel our ego, then have tremendous discipline so that we are nurturing it to be benevolent. That you stand in your mastery. You stand in your mastery. And you allow everything else around you to assimilate your mastery. You don't force it upon anything. That's where ego got a bad reputation. Because you allow it to be assimilated because you know you're in trust. You are in commitment. It will take place. It must take place. It cannot outlast forever. And you, in that huge ego, have forever. You know, I'm forever. Say it. I'm forever. Love my ego.
We'll build my ego. We'll build my ego. Feels a bit strange in here right now. <laughs> Love the strangeness. Yeah, go ahead, do it. And so today's asanas and mantras and pranayams are all about fueling that, that creature that's in you waiting, going, now coach, send me in, I can win the game, now coach, right? Because the, the you in you can do what you were made to do. And you're not an American, and you're not a Canadian, and you're not a Mexican, and you're not a Russian, and you're not a European, and you're not any of those things. You're not even of planet Earth. You're an alien. <laughs> Let's just face it, we're all illegal aliens. Yeah. Good? good? Are you good with being that? Yeah. Yes, because that's part of my ego. Because I can be as illegal as I can possibly be. Because what is legal? Legal are the laws of logic. And the laws of logic only work one half of this universe, the yang. Yang is the logic. Yin is the magic. And we, as illegal aliens, are big magicians. We come from the illegal, the non-logical. Because that's what the soul is. The soul isn't logical. When you leave the logic of this physical body, the soul can be everywhere at all times. I loved what Yogi Bhajan once said. A student asked him, Sir, where will you be when you die? And he just walked straight up to her and put his nose against her nose and said, Closer than this. <laughs> and then he turned around and looked at the rest of us and, don't, and said, Don't think it's just her. <laughs> I can be everywhere all at once. And think of the, the stories of Lord Krishna, where 10,000 people would say that they had had an evening with Lord Krishna. The ability to multilocate. Read Autobiography of a Yogi. Paramahansa talks about how Sri Yukteswar could be in two places. Read Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East. All talking about bilocation, trilocation. We are, that is illegal. And all the word illegal means is not logical. That is not logical. You are the human that transcends the requirement of just being your physical body. That's what it is to be human. You transcend the requirement of your physical body. And if we don't transcend it, if we don't lead the way, if we are not all the avatars and the prophets and the masters and the mystics of the time going forward, this planet will recycle the human experience.
and the human experiment. It'll just grind it into nothing and this planet will start back from nothing. It doesn't mean that the human experiment isn't taking place in many different places, locations, all throughout the universe. It's taking place in many, many places. But you were sent here, I was sent here, we were sent here at this time for this planet's purpose because this planet, you know, the coach said, right? Some people call it God, but coach said, trouble on earth, trouble on earth, volunteers, volunteers. And we all raised our hand going, hey, let's go there. Hey, let's go there, right? And then we all got here and we all go, wow, this place sucks. Wow, this place sucks. Wow, this place sucks. Let me get my house in the hill where it's separated from everybody else where I can just have my little garden and have my well and have my this and have my that. I can just be by myself, right? No! <laughs> how quickly we forget when we're being born through that high-pressure me mechanism, how, woo, yes, let there be light. Thank you. No. How is it? What a good timing. You know, drop my pick, the littlest one in the room turns on the light. I love it. So the fact is that we... Ecstasy. The fact is that we were sent here because we volunteered. We said that we could save this place, not that we could complain about it. So, uh, don't get you started. <laughs> so we have to completely remove our complaint. Step into our ego. Fuel our value, which will increase our immunity to everything toxic. Read the story of the, of the uh, sadhus that live in the cremation pyres. That ash that you see spread on the sadhus, that's somebody's ashes. They live in those cremation pyres and they spread the ashes of the dead upon them and they eat poison just to, and well, I'm not asking you to do this, <laughs> just to prove that nothing affects that commitment, that the immunity becomes so profound that not even poison. That's why they would, they would dance with the cobras, right? You know, nothing, not even the toxin of the cobra the venom of the cobra could destroy them. It was a symbol. They were a symbol. They are not your future. Your future is to do the same thing with the toxicity of this civilization. We go out there and we just light up the world. Because hmm? it's our watch. Is this a deal? Yeah. Do we have a deal? Yeah. Give me 10. Bless you for joining us.
Visit gurusingh.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.